You're listening to The Dealmaker's Edge with A.Y. Strauss, diving deep into stories behind commercial real estate leaders. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dealmaker's Edge. Today, we're really, really excited to be joined by Matt Weinstein, who's a partner and head of credit at Exonic Capital. Exonic Capital is a New York-based investment advisor with a primary business focus on capital management of structured credit strategies and has over $4.5 billion in assets under management. Matt, alongside the firm's chief investment officer, oversees Exonic's asset allocation, sector allocation, trading and investment management, and is also responsible for the firm's build-out of its CMBS and commercial real estate equity and debt businesses. He serves as the head of the Real Estate Investment Committee. He was a prior VP, Quarry Capital. We manage the CMBS principal investment strategy. Before that, he was in the CMBS group at Bear Stearns, graduate of NYU Stern School of Business, as well as Cornell. Matt, really, really pleased you've taken the time to join us here, and thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's kind of the conversation, as, as we've talked about offline, is sort of to give people more up and coming in the industry the story of how you got there. And one of the questions we like to start off with is just your earlier years, talk about things like your first job, how you knew you want to get into the industry, where you grow up. Anything you want to chat about in that regard? Sure. How did I get in the shop? So I applied to college at Cornell University in a program that was effectively pre-law. Like some of the folks in this call, I was about two years into it and realized they would, I was not cut out to be a lawyer. So I was in a program called the Industrial Labor Relations Program, which comedically people call it, I love reading. And I realized that while I did have a passion for certain types of reading, you know, the way I sort of thought and learned was pretty fast paced and I wanted to make super fast decisions. A friend of mine said, you should try to work in finance. I applied to, I don't know, eight, 10 financial jobs. Nobody really responded to me because I was a pre-law background and one firm responded, Bear Stearns. I was able to get an internship there, got to spend some time working on the mortgage trading floor there. I was sort of, you know, smitten, so to speak, by you know, the bond market business and mortgages and commercial real estate. And so ultimately, um, accepted a full-time job there. Had the opportunity to start my career on a, on a trading desk, working in trading commercial mortgage-backed securities. And, you know, enjoyed the investment aspect. But after a few years there, somewhat fortuitous timing, uh, made the decision that I wanted to be an investor and not just sort of a trader of bonds that I, I, Enjoyed the analytics of commercial real estate. I loved learning about the properties, but I wanted to sort of do a deep dive. Again, as I said, to his timing, I, I applied to business school late 2007, received my, my admittance letter from NYU Stern School of Business at some point in March of 2008. Some, some folks might remember, uh, that was a pretty, pretty crucial time in financial markets. My phone effectively went out of business, Bear Stearns. Bear Stearns was acquired by J.P. Morgan, and that all sort of occurred while I was in the process of accepting my uh, my offer at uh, NYU, where I wanted to really learn more about the investment side, more about commercial real estate, and sort of being a you know ho- hopefully a bigger picture thinker. And so ultimately made that decision, and that was sort of a big uh, pivot in my career. Yeah, great timing. I remember during those years when nothing was really happening, a lot of people went back to school, almost like in a defensive posture, but but you were in the offensive and uh, that, that's better to be in front of that curve. 
that's very exciting stuff. And then I guess after you graduated, you continued in that CMBS world to further. I did. So, um, you know, post NYU, I, I continued sort of the path that I wanted to, which was stay within the commercial real estate, uh, particularly commercial debt uh, universe at that point in time. But I wanted to pursue something not as a, as a seller of risk or seller of securities or selling commercial real estate, but as a buyer or an investor. And so um, dating myself a little bit, but there was a business back then called proprietary trading or principal investments before Dodd Frank and, and Paul Volcker came in and banks had the ability to really pretty aggressively put their own balance sheets to work. And so um, I was fortunate to be able to do that for about two years at, at Macquarie. Again, you know, sort of ups and downs of, of this business. By 2012, proprietary trading basically ceased to exist as a business because of the implementation of some of this regulation because of Dodd-Frank, because of the Volcker rule. I, I spoke to a number of hedge funds at that point in time. You know, there were a number of hedge funds and sort of investment managers that were sort of born out of the, the mortgage crisis of 2008 and 2009, and Exonic was certainly one of them. Um, and, I, and I was really giving a really unique opportunity, which is, you know, when I, when I joined the prior year, probably about 650 million of assets, nearly a hundred percent of that was in the residential mortgage and RMBS space. And I was sort of given a, a, a blank sheet, a blank balance sheet to go and create a commercial real estate and, and CMBS business. So that was, that was 2012. And, you know, we're sitting here today, we're, um, you know, four plus billion and probably about two thirds or so, maybe a little more. Are in commercial real estate in San Diego. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been fun. Terrific. And to get in from essentially the ground floor, it sounds like from the really early stages and those years seem like the best years really to be active in that space after the unwinding after the GFC. So right place, right time, right fit. And you've had quite a tenure to see that real growth. And I know you've been a big part of it as well every day. So that's really, really cool. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the growth trajectory, you know, Within the firm, I mean, you sort of um, built out its CMBS strategies from scratch and their equity and debt businesses. So maybe you can talk about how over the years, I'm sure there were, you know, different peaks and valleys and different themes, but maybe you could talk about those sort of growth years and ideas you helped put in place to help achieve more scale. Sure. You know, it's, it's funny. You make decisions, you have sort of uh, paths. The choosing life, you don't know what's going to sort of ultimately bear and come to fruition and be a great learning experience. I, I spent one summer in business school as an investment banker. I, I did an investment banking summer internship program. Once again, was able to cross off things that I, I believed I would not be very good at. Uh, learned a lot. It was a unique time. It was 2009. And there was a bunch of you know, de novo or effectively SPAC commercial real estate companies that are potentially coming to market with just cash and no balance sheet and their mandates were to basically go anywhere. You know, believe in us that we're a smart manager, there's going to be massive opportunities ahead and let us go do it. And some of those firms, you know, today were made in very thriving public vehicles. It was, it, it sort of proved to be a pretty valuable learning experience for me. I spent hours reading through all the prospectuses and all the filing docs and try to understand how it all worked and how they thought about various areas of commercial real estate. And, you know, when I made the decision about how to build out the business here at Exonic, um, you know, one of the things that I, we thought would be really unique was a lot of times at commercial real estate, more on the asset side, you hear the term vertically integrated, right? And, and 
somebody has the ability to build the building and, and lease the building and asset manage the building. And, and there's a vertical integration where it all can be done at house. What we wanted to do was create, uh, you know, what we, what we sort of refer to as being horizontally, which is commercial real estate is a super unique asset class in my mind that if you look across the capital structure and commercial real estate, depending where you are in the cycle, there tends to be something that's really rich and something that's really cheap. Most of the time, it's really good to be a borrower. There are moments in time where it's really good to be the lender. And then there are pockets in time where it's really, really good to be able to just buy bonds. And so um, as I thought about building out our business, you know, I really wanted to surround myself with talented and driven folks who saw a similar vision and certainly, you know, some folks who had certain backgrounds that I maybe didn't have. A lot of my career was spent on the debt and bond side. And so we had hires on folks who had more uh, equity or direct ownership knowledge. And certainly as we've progressed over the years, that, that sort of vision has come to fruition. And we really try to continue to look again across all the various aspects of the commercial real estate capital structure. Really interesting. Yeah, every day you talk, some sponsor always says vertically integrated all day long. It's just the, the biggest catchphrase in the industry. And I guess that means something different to somebody else. But to that end, it really seems like um, you've applied that leverage in an interesting way. And I don't mean just leverage from an economic perspective, financial. It's almost like the relationship leverage. You've, you've built deep partnerships with wonderful sponsors who specialize in development, acquisition, or property management of some sort. And you really tie the financial upside properly to it. Um, maybe you could talk about some of the partnerships you've gotten into. I've actually, I know some of your, uh, sponsors you've teamed up with. You've done some pretty large scale projects. I know one of them is still underway. I don't even know the status off the top of my head, but one, two, three, four gateway is huge. And then you had the big yeah. Morris County suburban office takedown. I know you've, we've talked about office, you know, probably a couple of years back. It's, it's a theme in the market every day, but maybe you can just broadly talk about some of your successful partnerships you've made with sponsors. Yeah, I mean, look, so I would say, you know, not, number one, we, we definitely tried to approach this business being, you know, one of the phrases you always use, you know, be, be long-term, not short-term grading. And, you know, we came up with what we thought was going to be a really unique and sort of clever outstrap, which was we got into the very, very nitty gritty of the CMBS market. And we found some language that based off of bond positions that we own, where if loans went into default on certain securitizations, we would have the exclusive right to purchase out defaulted loans. And it gave us this really unique sourcing channel. We would have sort of a, a, a first red refusal or, or a last look, so to speak, on these, on these assets. When we were buying these, we knew there'd be some instances where we would have to take title to the property because they were defaulted loan. Some instances we could work and deal with the sponsor, some instances we could not. Uh, but we knew what we didn't know. And we knew that we didn't know how to operate in commercial real estate. We still don't operate assets today. We still bring in partners. Uh, but when we brought these partners in, it, was, it wasn't your typical uh, flow in that business. Normally, it's the operating partner bringing the capital provider of the deal. In this instance, it was the reverse, right? It was we had found this deal in a pretty unique sourcing mechanism, and we were bringing it to you know, leaders like the, you know, Onyx's and the John Saracino's of the world saying, look, we want, you know, we need your help. We need to figure out how to lease this thing. We're bringing it to you, but you know what? We're going to be long-term greedy here and let's negotiate 
economics that sort of worked for everybody. And those releases we probably could have, you know, created for ourselves, better promote structures and these type of things. We have these moments in your career where maybe you can try to be, you know, penny wise and, and pound foolish. We, we really try not to do that here. And I, I think we're pretty good at it. I think that has bearing to fortune because now here we are a decade later. And to your point, and, uh, you know, a lot of those operators who we first reached out to a decade ago, you know, remain successful peat operators. Yeah. Some deals have been very easy. It's, it's been a, it's, it was quite a run in the commercial real estate markets. Deals, deals of recent have gotten more difficult. It's obviously a, a very unique and challenging time. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it in the commercial real estate market today and from here. But having those partners and, and having folks that you can trust and, and have history with, it's really important in good markets. Um, it's, 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 a, it's sort of good to have. It is an absolute must-have uh, in markets like today. Agreed. And what a perfect segue. It was just such a layup. You could just bring us right into current state of affairs. And I appreciate that, Matt. You really made my life easy. Maybe you could talk about the market today. Um, every news story you read says the opposite of every other news story. And it's fascinating. It's just a wonky time. You speak to half the world. Oh, everything's fine. The other half, world's falling apart. I'm guessing the truth is somewhere in between. But, you know, how are you thinking about things, you know, on a macro level within commercial real estate? So, it, yeah, look, it, as you said, it is, it is tricky. It is complex. Look, I think there's a lot of different aspects, you know, the, the multifamily story versus the hotel story versus the office story. Very, very different. Uh, sorry, office versus hotel versus multifamily. If you, if you think about office, office is in a very challenging position. You have real fundamental deterioration leases that are rolling, you have subleases going into the market, you have people downsizing office space, you have billions of square feet, who knows the exact number that uh, probably need to go away. And at the same time, you've had a massive, massive pullback in the availability of debt. And when you look at commercial real estate, which is an inherently levered product, anywhere from two to three turns of leverage on average, the absence of debt has, has to have, forget fundamentals, that in itself has to have a material impact on valuation just by the map. So I think when you look at office and you combine a lack of availability of debt with, you know, at best, a very hard to understand fundamental picture, office is likely to be challenged for years to come. And, and until we see a real recovery in the office lending markets, I think you're going to see a challenging backdrop for office. Some office, not to all office buildings are challenged, but a lot are going to. You know, multifamily is a different story. Uh, multifamily debt uh, overall still main, you know, remains readily available. Rent growth, nationally speaking, certainly has slowed down, but it still remains positive. So you have a much more benign fundamental backdrop for multifamily versus, say, office. Availability of debt and flat or positive rent growth. Very, very different story. So Look, certainly as of following, we are, uh, you know, very concerned about the situation in office. We think there are certainly markets and assets that will win or being incredibly selective on new investments there. Multifamily, you know, we remain very bullish on, um, on, on multifamily debt in particular. I think being in, in multifamily equity right now, you know, there are certainly opportunities, but a real sharpshooter. I think multifamily debt is particularly interesting now. We've had that view for a few years now. A lot changed in the middle of last month during the sort of heart of the regional banking crisis. You think about where we reside and a firm like Signature Bank, 
Uh, there are firms like Signature Bank all across this country who maybe as a total percentage of the multifamily debt market were only a few percentage, but any local player will tell you they were a huge percentage of the local market. And they were generally lending on lower capital and assets. And I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying this was the infrastructure in the regional banking model. Uh, you know, tend to lend on lower cap rate assets and at generally higher LTVs. That needs to work through the system. I think when I talked earlier about being horizontal integrated, this is sort of the perfect example. When we look across commercial real estate capital markets today, multifamily debt, be a senior lender on multifamily assets, looks as compelling today as it has in a long, long time. And the absence, the void of regional banks primarily from that market, kind of market 30, 40, 50% of the debt stock, that has real impacts that needs to flow through the system. Said. And being hor horizontally integrated, I guess you can play anywhere in the debt stack. You can buy tranches, you can buy B pieces, you can slice it up. Are you seeing paper to buy that's sort of exciting for you yet? What's exciting for you now in this sort of, um, I don't know what you call this period. It seems almost feels like a holding period. But what's exciting for you that's, or is it more like we think more excitement's coming later and this is what we have our eye out for? Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if history is any lesson for us all, this stuff obviously takes far longer to play out than we all expect. In this new world, a bank can go out of business overnight, uh, but the unwinding of that bank can take a heck of a lot longer than overnight. Something we all have. Um, look, I, I think there's a couple of things. I think uh, commercial real estate transaction volume is down a lot. Yeah, I think depending on asset class, you're talking 60 to 80% year over year. That obviously flows through to the amount of new debt that's originated. So, you know, the question is, okay, then in today's market, where are things so interesting? We have a decade-long relationship with Freddie Mac on the multifamily side. We have been one of their most prolific buyers of sort of the first loss or the, the B piece uh, of their multifamily securitizations. We continue to absolutely love that that piece of risk. We think it's just, you know, fantastic risk-adjusted return. Love the credit culture at, at Freddie Mac. And love the multifamily story, obviously, as I said earlier. We're certainly preparing for what we think could be a large number of secondary loan sales, probably likely many of which will come out of regional banks, uh, whether FDIC controlled or not. Uh, we just think there's going to be a lot of regulatory capital that needs to be sort of shorn up on these banks' balance sheets. Again, that doesn't happen overnight, but we do think that's a probably three to six month process. Then I think as the market sort of stabilizes and perhaps, you know, bid ask narrows between buyers and sellers of the actual assets, I think lending will pick back up. And so it's sort of immediate term, the sort of the bond opportunity, medium term, it's probably the secondary loan sale opportunity. And longer term, you know, the, the lending opportunity. For sure. How about investor uh, sentiment? It seems like when public markets get hurt, firms like yours can do even better in attracting investor appetite because, you know, it, they can just sort of, like you mentioned, be more horizontally integrated and just really be more nimble to take advantage of opportunities. Are you seeing investors be more excited about what can be done in this market versus a year or so ago when the you know, but public markets were going crazy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, look, I think anybody in our business is going to is going to be dealing with some amount of defense. That's uh, just uh, the reality, right? When, when interest rates have gone from from zero to four percent, you know, cap rates clearly have gone wider. 
That being said, we, we certainly have seen a, a real swing in investor sentiment over the last few months where I think folks understand that there is very real yield out there. And in particular, we're seeing people looking to migrate up the capital structure. Um, and so, you know, maybe somebody who was a allocator to equity is looking towards more junior debt today. And that junior debt person is looking more towards the senior mortgage. And, you know, the mortgage traditional mortgage lender might be looking more towards being the A-note guy or something like that. Yes. And we're seeing that both on the, on sort of the direct investment side and from the folks who invest with us. So I, I do think there's a lot of interest out there in the investor community. And I think certainly be having the ability again, to look across all the different areas of commercial real estate, being equipped to handle workouts and distress and non-performing situations, because we all know it's coming, I think is really valued and pretty vital to Sure. Well said. Now, if you wouldn't mind putting yourself in the shoes of when you maybe just graduated NYU or maybe two or three years in the industry, maybe somebody was working in the equity side with a sponsor or whatnot, and maybe their portfolio is underwater. I'm making up some far-fetched example, but they're, they're looking for sort of what area of focus to do next within commercial real estate broadly. And they're getting on your calendar for coffee and they're just looking to you for advice. And you know, if you saw a good area for somebody to jump into over the next year or two or three that you think will be emerging, what would you advise that person? Sure. So, you know, look, I honestly, I've gone through aspects of this myself in my career, as we talked about, you know, I, I sort of saw the, the downfall of Bear Stearns, went back to business school and gave me the time to do that exact type of thinking and, and have conversations with people with much more experience than me and, and get their advice. And then I lived through the implementation of Dodd-Frank and the Volcker rule and realized that this was going to create a great backdrop for alternative sources of capital, albeit alternative specialty finance lenders or hedge funds, because this regulation was going to flow through and sort of cut off banks. I think if I'm somebody 10 years earlier than myself today, I think it goes back to sort of what we've been talking about here a little bit, which is you have to look at how has the commercial real estate ecosystem changed? because of the shakeout from the regional banking area. And again, you know, I don't remember the exact year. I think Dodd-Frank was implemented in 2010. You didn't really start feeling that for years to come, 12, 13. I think we're going to see something similar here. You know, there is going to be a change. Somebody needs to fill that void of the, you see different numbers, but it's certainly north of a trillion of loans that regional banks have traditionally provided. And there will be absolute winners in the alternative lending space. I do think uh, th that is a real area to really sit down, come up with your own views, get the views of other folks out there. You know, what are going to be all the downstream effects six months, five years from now of this change in the ecosystem? Here are going to be the winners. Here are going to be the losers. And okay, these are the winners. Which one of these still pairs well with the things that I intellectually like to do. You know, I can't tell somebody who's been a real estate developer and looks at projects that have a five to seven year time horizon to go be a bond trader because they're cheap. You're, you'll lose your mind. Yeah, exactly. No, and, nor and the those, reverse, but certainly the marrying of that too. And that, that takes a lot of trial and error. A hundred percent. And well said, and I appreciate that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners will appreciate that too. Well, the podcast is called The Dealmaker's Edge. And one of the questions we'd like to ask is, this is a very stressful business. You manage an extensive team, extensive portfolio. You have to answer to your partners, to your investors, um, to yourself. How do you manage the voice in your head, you know, which we all have? You know, I think I read somewhere like 70% of uh, people who manage their own businesses have some 
mental health issues. I'm not implying you do, but I will tell you as somebody managing a firm, this is not relaxing stuff. So how do you talk to yourself on a rough day or what are the types of things you, you tell yourself to continue to be in the right frame of mind to make those clear-headed decisions that you have to make every single day? So, uh, and I'm not just saying this, I, I love podcasts and I, and I love reading. I heard a podcast the other day, a guy was saying, if anybody else other than myself spoke to me that way, I'd want to punch myself in the face. <laughs> and I thought it's such a great, simple way of thinking about mental health and, and the way that so many of us, uh, the prison that we view ourselves versus perhaps what others do. I think it is for sure, uh, the balance is important. You know, I, I certainly I like to listen to make sure I'm aware of everything that's going on with podcasts and our business, but also just, you know, challenging my brain and forcing it to focus on some other topic that I know absolutely nothing about that has absolutely nothing to do with regional banking crisis and commercial real estate cap rates. I think somewhere, you know, it, I think it heals something in my brain and allows it to breathe. So I, I do think those distractions, whether they're intellectual, whether they're, a, you know, whatever, some people are going for hikes or, or, you know, playing tennis or golf, whatever it is, I do think whatever allows you to truly have that mental escape is, is certainly important. It's very important. for me. Well uh, said. Another thing I also say is I, I think you also have to, I think you have to enjoy, um, you have to enjoy managing people because that's the other aspect of this business. I think you have to embrace it because uh, it, it's not just being an investor. It's also being a manager and hopefully an, a leader of your team. And I think focusing on trying to be good at that and enjoying it, I think is very important. Well said. We really covered a lot, Matt. I really want to thank you again for your time. I know you've got a million calls and everything to get to. Any other question we should have asked you here that we didn't or anything else you wanted to add, almost like as a kitchen sink type of question? And if not, it's no big deal, but I figured I would just ask. Um, nothing else. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I didn't want to address. Um, no, nothing else really comes to mind. I mean, I really you know, appreciate the questions and time here. It's certainly always interesting to chat. And likewise, Matt, I know people are going to learn a lot from this conversation. I know I did. It's always great to see you. And again, thank you again for taking time out of your crazy day. And can't wait to watch your continued success and to be continued, my friend. Great seeing you. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you for joining the Dealmaker's Edge. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star rating so more people can follow the conversation. <laughs>